You know, IQ, when you did see that itinerary, you know, and you realized he was going to do this out of the gate, uh, what was your first reaction to yourself? I'll tell you what. People don't, you know, people listen to the news media, obviously. You watch the news, obviously. But you should know that 90% of the time it's lies. I always say to people who hate Jews or hate Israel, go to Israel and then make a decision. Don't make a decision listening to the enemies. Talk. Just talk. Because that's what we do here, friends. Malcolm Out Loud Talk. Welcome to the show. So when I first seen the headlines and I first seen that, okay, so President Trump's going to do what? (laughs) He's going to make his first foreign trip and he's going to go to these places like Saudi Arabia. He's going to go to Israel. He's going to go to the Pope and the Vatican. And I thought, get out of here. I mean, there's no way this president is going to take that on. I mean, that's that's like insane. That's a tall order. I mean, listen, that's a tall order if that's not even your first trip, if that's like your 10th foreign trip, okay? Or maybe your second time in your administration. Maybe you've been reelected and, you know, you feel a little adventurous maybe. Maybe that's when you tried that sort of thing. But when I first seen the agenda... I was, like, blown away. Like, you've got to be kidding me, you know? Well, it's Malcolm Out Loud here. Welcome to Talk and Listen. So, hey, got a special episode here today, and uh, we're going to have our brother from Europe on in just a bit here. IQ Al Razuli joins me on the show today. Been a while since we talked to him, but I've been anxious to get him on. In fact, his recent column is on the network, friends. So go to AmericaOutloud.com, and you'll find it there. And it's right at the very top of the site. No lecturing or imposing America's morality and justice upon Muslim leaders is the name of that column. And again, he's a prolific writer and a, and a great spokesman for, um, well, for justice, for peace, for justice, expert on Islam, a gentleman that was born in the Middle East, now resides in Europe. Uh, so we'll talk more about IQ in just a moment. But let me get back to, to the story of the moment. And the story of the moment, (laughs) Uh, talk about a foreign policy, an adventurous foreign policy. So most of the people that seen this were taking bets already. You know the bet makers in Vegas were going wild on this one, friends. (laughs) They were like, uh, they were taking bets to see how long if he could keep his mouth, uh, you know, out of trouble. Or if you get, because listen, this is a very sensitive area uh, of, of, of the neighborhood. I mean, if you say the wrong thing, or you say the wrong thing at the wrong moment or the wrong time, you are, you are screwed. I mean, you, you're in trouble. But this is like walking on eggshells. President Trump, to take this on, this was adventurous, okay? So we know this. All right, let me give you my out loud truth, my commentary. Then we're going to get the expert in to weigh in, which is IQ Al Razuli. Uh, he is far more knowledgeable than I in this area. Here, here's what I think. And, and IQ will tell us. He's listening right now. He'll, he'll tell us all in just a few minutes if I'm, uh, you know, uh, maybe on drugs or not, or if he, he thinks I know what I'm talking about. But here's what I think. Here's, here's Malcolm's out loud truth. So when Trump and his advisors got together and they said, okay, let's, let's do something aggressive. This is a, this is a man who's, got a, he's, who's thinking really big now. You've you got to think really big. I mean, this is, this is doing the heavy lifting right up front. That, that's what this is, okay? So then he takes Saudi Arabia, unprecedented, historical, makes that the first stop on the trip. Well, friends, that's never happened. 
I mean, that has never happened in the history of our country. You know, you know what's kind of ironic and what's kind of, well, kind of funny, kind of sick too, and really interesting. You know, everybody thought he was against Muslims. Everybody thought that, you know, the sky has fallen. This guy is a racist, you know, SOB, blah, blah, blah. And yet, where does he pick? He goes right into the heart of Muslim. I mean, Saudi Arabia, friends. Now, listen, say what you want about Saudi Arabia. But my feelings are they're sort of one of those an important ally, but also they've been, you know, they've been an abuser themselves. And I'm sure IQ will either confirm what I'm saying or not when he talks here. But in my, my sense and ability here, uh, listen, they have uh, fed into the terrorist networks at times. Unbelievable program. Does a speech that just blows everything away. I mean, the speech was incredible. The moment in Saudi Arabia was incredible. Uh, the grandeur of the moment, no, it was not lost on anybody. Of course, everybody was waiting for the other shoe to drop. <laughs> Problem is, friends, here's the good thing. The other shoe never dropped. <laughs> so he was able to be presidential. Everything that folks thought, his critics thought he couldn't do, well, he did. He shut them all up. You notice you haven't heard from any of them? You haven't heard a peep? Now, why do you think that is, friends? Hmm, I can't imagine. Well, just if anything else happens on this trip you know you'll hear them right away because the, the funny farm and the, the, the factory will start right away, and they're incessant over there. They just look for everything they can bitch and complain about, and that's what they do best, sadly. So there from there, he goes on to Israel. Never again had a flight from Saudi Arabia directly to Israel. That's, that's mind-blown again. Makes history again. Now listen, I, I'm a big fan of Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. I always have been, always have been. Quite frankly, he, he's the kind of guy I'd like to have as president of our country. <laughs> I mean, he wears the big man pants, and I, I just like his style. I like how he operates. I like how he talks. I like how he speaks from the heart. I, like he's, uh, I just like he's a genuine human being, and he looks out for his people. That's the kind of leader I'm looking for here, friends. We should all strive to have such leadership in our lives, yeah? So here we go. He makes history. And so the big question is... Can this happen? Can he bridge the gap? I mean, this has been, we've been trying to do this forever. In all of our lives, we've never seen it. We've never been able to do it, you know. But what's really interesting about this is he comes in and he says this. This is part of his speech now. He says, America is a sovereign nation, and our first priority is always the safety and security of our citizens. We are not here to lecture we are not here to tell other people how to live, what to do, who to be, or how to worship. Instead, we are here to offer partnership based on shared interest and values to pursue a better future for us all. My friends, that speech should have stopped you in your tracks, and you should have just kissed the ground you were walking on because that was an amazing set of words to put forth, very eloquently said and delivered in the heart of the Muslim world. And so now the big question is, can there be, be peace? Can there be any sincerity? And we know how tricky it is when you're dealing with, again, Islam, you're dealing with Judaism and Christianity, three major religions that this president decided to take on on this trip is historical. This is a tear-down-that-wall moment. Make no mistake about it. So in my sense, my out loud truth is this was a good trip. This is a historic trip. This is one that gives hope where we thought there was no hope. 
That's my opening statement to this next segment. I want you to meet again today a big friend of the network and uh, my show and IQ Al Razuli. He is the author of Lifting the Veil. And again, in my opinion, IQ is, uh, you know, one of the foremost authorities in the world on the subjects of Islam and all of these kinds of things. He was, uh, uh, you know, he's an Arabic speaker. He was born in, uh, uh, in Iraq. And uh, again, if you haven't read his trilogy, Lifting the Veil, The True Faces of Muhammad and Islam, you want to check that out on Amazon and see. Uh, there's a lot going on. IQ, it's been a while, brothers. Good to have you on. God bless you. It's a pleasure always being with you. Yeah, it's good to be with you. Uh, we, we always are kindred uh, spirits here, and uh, we just love you here at America Out Loud. And um, So listen, I wanted you to hear my opening comment, because listen, at the end of the day, I don't really know what I'm talking about, but I know you do. So why don't you tell everybody where I was wrong or right, or let's start off with this incredible statement he delivered about no lecturing, which was pretty amazing, IQ. What do you think, brother? On a scale of 1 to 10... I would give him 10. What would you give him? Yeah, I, I wanted to hear. Thank you for saying that up front. I would give him, I would give him, break with you one side. I would give him a 10 IQ. And I'm so, you, you, were, you were happy. You, you, listen, when, when I was watching that speech, I was grinning. I was smiling and grinning from, from, from ear to ear. And I was thinking of you. I was thinking, I wonder what IQ is going to think about this speech. I'll tell you the truth. I listened to it. I read it. And I listened to the Arabic translation. It was amazing. I want Americans to understand this. President Trump to Saudi Arabia, by any standard of fairness and logic, was a remarkable event for the following reasons. 81 years old, King Salman greeted him, Melania, and Ivanka personally at the airport. This is not a... He's an old man. President Trump did not bow to the king, but shook hands and look at each other eyeball to eyeball, unlike you know who. Melania and Ivanka did not wear hair covering, but were dressed in a manner respectful of Muslim traditions. Contrary to Islamic rule, ladies and gentlemen, King Salman shook the hands of Melania, a woman. Also contrary to Islamic tradition, especially in Arabia, Ivanka, who converted to be a Jewess, was welcomed on the so-called Holy Land of Islam, in spite of the fact that both Christians and Jews are not welcome in Arabia. Although, ladies and gentlemen, historically, Christians and Jews lived very successfully on the peninsula of the Arabs, centuries before Muhammad's Islam eradicated them almost 1,400 years ago. Trump's reception was absolutely lavish and superb. Besides the usual pleasantries, President Trump concluded a $400 billion in arms and trade with the kingdom that will bring both jobs and prosperity to both countries. What followed was an extraordinary event when President Trump gave a 35-minute speech to the ingathering of about 17 Muslim heads of state in Saudi Arabia while all other leaders of Islam were watching the event on television. I first read the whole text of the president, and then, as I said, I listened to it. He spoke slowly so that every word could be heard. He gave deserving compliments 
to his host for the lavish reception that they had given him and his entourage. Although some of the remarks he made were literally more out of politeness than reality, he did not grovel as Obama did in his Cairo speech in 2009. What was most refreshing and absolutely correct was Trump's assertion that he was not lecturing or on and or imposing America's morality and justice upon the Muslim leaders. That the United States of America will not tell them how to behave, how to pray, and how to deal with their own internal affairs. That the United States will do its utmost to facilitate making peace between the parties who must otherwise deal directly with each other. At 24 minutes of the speech, President Trump literally but politely held the Muslim heads of state responsible to eradicate the terrorists in their countries. He closed by blessing all of the Muslim leaders, their peoples, and the USA invoking God. We talk about the God of the Bible. Because after all, according to Islam, but contrary to facts and reality, Allah is the same as the God of the Bible. In summation, ladies and gentlemen, whoever scripted the speech did an outstanding job of balancing several extremely important issues at the same time. As far as I'm concerned, and having listened to the Arab commentators, it will be recorded historically as an outstanding speech, stretching the hands of the United States for peace with Islam while holding them responsible to achieve this peace. Of course, as usual, the fake news, the leftists, the Democrats and the rhinos will still do their worst to find fault. What do you think, sir? Well, IQ, I've known you for many years and, uh, you know, I've, I've waited all these years to have some glimmer of hope. And every time we've talked, uh, you know, it, uh, I don't leave the meeting ever with a glimmer of hope or excitement because... You know, it's, uh, it was not a good, a good system, a, a good situation. He, here's what I want to know from you. We see what happens here. We have spoke about the fact that there was no future for Islam, Christianity, and Judaism. We spoke about this many times. Uh, the hope was not really there. And yet... What would have done it this time? Why the change of heart? You point out several things about Saudi Arabia, which is the heart of the Muslim world. Why the change of heart? Why all of, I mean, like you say, they wouldn't even have, uh, like say, uh, Ivanka Trump, who's uh, Jewish. Uh, they wouldn't even allow her and, and Jared Kushner, their husband there uh, previously. Why the change of heart where they are open and compassionate and where you would have come away from that gathering thinking that, okay, okay, maybe, just maybe, these three religions can coexist. Why the good vibe? You know, we talk all the time about the difference between good and bad with Islam. And what I'm trying to wrap my arms around here, because I came away feeling very good. And I came away feeling like, I mean, just looking at their posture, looking at their body language, looking at their words, I, I, I had a real sense of sincerity and authenticity coming from that gathering. Why the change, IQ? Iran. Iran 
Iran and Iran. That's the change. I knew it. I knew it. Let's explain to folks, if that's the case, and I, I think you are correct, but if that's the case, then I want to say this to you. Now, now, now this is going to sound crazy, but, but here it is. If that is the case as to what puts this possibility in front of us today, then I want to say to you this much, then President Obama did us a tremendous favor. And he is, he actually, um, you know, his legacy and his history uh, could be very impacted here because if he had not done and taken the steps he did to isolate the Middle East as bad as he did, if we did not have the Arab Spring, if we did not empower Iran, if we did not all do these things, we would, I know this sounds crazy, but we would not be sitting here today talking about hope and promise in a major historical way of these religions and this gathering of people. Now, what do you say to that crazy analysis? It is crazy. With all due respect, I love you very much, but I'm telling you, nothing has changed. Only your perception. The body language was true. The lavish reception was unbelievable. There's no question about it. But nothing has changed. Judeo-Christianity will not ever be accepted by Islam. You've got to get this. You've got to understand that. I'm not being negative. I'm not trying to uh, break your hope or something. But we are discussing reality. I deal with reality. I deal with facts and only facts and reality. The Muslim gathering, they're going to have a NATO. You heard that. I, I, that was, well, that's one of the things I want to talk to you about. I thought that was tremendous to have a NATO in the Middle yes, East. That's, that's brilliant, brilliant. True, brilliant. But then you have two people who will suffer from it. Both of them, Iran and Israel. Now, I said on one of my radio interviews recently, the $400 billion deal was a masterful deal. Masterful. I'll tell you why. Some Jews and some Israelis will object. Ah, oh, you're giving them armaments and money and bullcrap. I'll tell you. If Trump did not make this deal, Russia, China, France, Germany, and England would have done it. It was a masterful deal. He undercut all of them. He trumped them. Hmm. Are you with me now? I am. Very important. I, I am. You've got to understand what I'm telling you. Because if America yeah. was not going to supply these armaments, right. the others would have supplied it. Take Turkey, for example. Turkey is part of NATO. What are they doing now? Buying Russian. So, it was a fantastic deal he did. Why? Because he's a deal maker. He's a businessman. Well, That's why America will prosper. Yeah. He is a businessman, not a politician. Right, and I'll right, something right. else. Well, we, right. we, we needed to pull Saudi Arabia back into the confines absolutely, of, a, of a... Absolutely. Yeah, you agree with that. You know they are our enemies. Trump knows they are the enemy. But you've got to bring them closer to you. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah, okay, got it, got it. All obviously, right. at the moment, for the last two years... Right. The Saudi government, the Gulf people, the Kuwaitis and the Qataris have been in touch with the Israelis regularly. Right. Okay? They don't shout about it. They don't need to. You know, everybody thinks that the Arabs want a Palestinian state. Forget it. They could have had a Palestinian state in 1947-48. That's 70 years ago. Yeah. No Arab 
loves Palestinians. I want to discuss that with you a moment on the other side of the break here. I want to pause just a moment here. We are speaking with IQ Al Razuli. It is just great to get his analysis on again. This is a man who knows what's going on, uh, understands it. And, uh, you know, I, I think this is, uh, well, I want to talk more with him about this, this hope, this glimmer of hope. Uh, and really the coming together of uh, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Friends, I never thought I'd live to see the day that we could even be talking about this. But the, the question now becomes, when you hear IQ say what he says, it's like, okay, is this for real, though? Is this for real? And can we take this to the bank? Uh, because, uh, you know, uh, we can't really take too much for granted here, can we? We'll be right back in just a moment here with IQ El Razili. Stay there. You're listening to the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network. It's where we say, let the silent voices be heard. You'll find a whole host of shows and a great lineup back at AmericaOutloud.com. And also, get the apps. We now stream 24-7 on Android and Apple. Just look for America Out Loud Talk Radio. We are speaking today to IQ Al Razuli, and again, I encourage you to uh, go to his website. Uh, is uh, al-razuli.com. You get it right off of americaoutloud.com. He's an expert up on americaoutloud.com. He's one of our regular contributors, uh, commentators, uh, columnists, and an all-around pretty swell guy. Hey, IQ. <laughs> Thank you very much for the compliments. It's good to have you here. Well, we, we just love you here, and we love to uh, get your input, and, and uh, you're an expert in this area. We really appreciate it and value your, your wisdom. Uh, so let's talk about, all right, so we, we talk here, the, the, the big thing here is with Saudi Arabia, and again, uh, the coexistence of Christianity and Islam and Judaism. So here's what I want to ask you. I know this is a tough, tough, and a tall order. This glimmer of hope we're talking about, is this just uh, like temporary, uh, te- maybe temporary sanity? Not insanity, but temporary sanity? In other words... Is this just temporary where they're using us at the moment because of Iran? I just mentioned before the break, I gave compliment to uh, uh, the ex-president, the previous president, Obama, and, you know, was talking tongue-in-cheek with you. I knew you would enjoy that commentary because neither of us are big fans of the previous administration, clearly. And what he did with Iran was was pretty bad. It was uh, uh, one one of the worst deals in our lifetime we've seen. Of course, Israel is uh, really front and center in all of this, and um, I want to talk more about uh, Netanyahu in a moment, too, with you as well. But here we go. King, King Solomon meets them at the airport, as you say. They roll out the red carpet and then some. I mean, gracious. You see the pictures of King Solomon, 81 years old. He looks fabulous. He looks great. He's engaged. He's talking, he's there, all his people, his entourage are there, everybody's, it's, you know, the best of the best, the creme de la creme, all right, here we are, and they look like they're old friends. Is this just a facade you're telling me, IQ? No, there was warmth, there's no question about it. You see, you've got to separate the individual from the collective. On the individual level, King Salman and Trump, most probably they had a very good relationship in the sense of human being to another human being. Are you with me? 
Well, I'm with you, and, and hold on, and I want to tell you why I'm with you. Because in all yep. the time I've known you, I've said to you, and I've prayed regularly, that if somebody would, and I've even told people on, on this program and on my network, I've said this, IQ, if, if, if you know, they want to convince me that there's good Islam and there's good Muslims, and I've had people on this show, even beside you, that have talked about this, and people have, who have converted from Islam to Christianity and, and other things. Okay, but here's the thing. Why doesn't the, the Muslim community stand up? Why don't they stand up and, and denounce these uh, barbaric acts and the things that happen? Now, I've never seen that happen or take foot. And now for the first time in all the time that we've spoke, IQ, here's an opportunity now where the Muslim community has now granted that wish. They have stood up. And they are saying, it is not acceptable. We do not like this infighting. We do not like these barbaric acts. We do not like these criminal, devious, uh, defiant lunatics. I mean, listen, they, they, they more than surpassed my expectations, IQ. How about you? But you missed something. Well, Two okay. years ago. I figured that. Tell me what it is. No, no, no. I, I'm not contradicting you. I'm pointing something out to you. Two years ago, LCC gave a lecture at Azhar University, the most prestigious Sunni university in the world. And he addressed all the imams in front of him. He asked them a question. Do you honestly believe that one and a half billion people will conquer the whole world? He left it as a question mark. So what do we have? The leaders know there is a problem. But they can't do anything about it because the imams are the ones who run the show. You've got to understand this. The one who is in this uh, mosque, the imam in the mosque, the mullah, the ayatollah, these are the ones who are re leading the, the herd mentality. And when you say they are acting barbaric in a barbaric manner, but Islam is barbaric. What did Muhammad do? He was a mass murderer a child molester, a serial rapist, a pathological liar. And what do Muslims look at him? They say he's the most perfect human being that ever existed, superior to Jesus, superior to Abraham, and superior to Moses. So they are emulating the most superior creature on the planet. They're not depraved. We call them depraved from the Judeo-Christian tradition. But we are the outsiders looking in. From their point of view, they are the most perfect Muslims. You've got to understand that. You've got to separate in your mind. You cannot think Judeo-Christian. You have to think Islam. Well, you bring, up you, start, a, uh, you bring up a very valid point with the, with the mosque and the imams and the mosque. That's really the center of it all, uh, IQ. You're 100% right. What's the answer? What's the answer? But I told you what the answer many times before. But it's not acceptable. Although it is the only solution. You have to quarantine Islam. It's a disease, the most virulent disease that has ever infected the human mind. It's called, it's a virus. It's called the Quran. Don't take my word for it. I'll tell you something. A few days ago, a white American who converted to Islam murdered two of his colleagues the next day. Don't take my words on YouTube. Yeah. Every, every European Christian Every American Christian who converts to Islam the next day becomes a mass murderer. Well, they look as, at death. They look at death as favor. They look at that as part of the chore. Yeah, 
Yes, because they have to prove they are right. more Muslim than the Muslims. Right. So how do they do that? By killing so-called infidels. They're all friends, become infidels. What was my friend yesterday, the minute I convert to Islam, is my enemy tomorrow. End of conversation. You cannot use logic when you're talking about Islam. I have a hundred thousand dollars. If anybody can find out of 1,500 million Muslims, a single Muslim with two brain cells of logic, one hundred thousand dollars I'd pay. All right. So with taking what you say right now, how do we square that you with this with this historic trip then? And Look, what the trip Sorry, with all due respect, the, the, the trip is historic. But le let us wait what the consequences are, what the follow-up. I believe the follow-up will be exactly what I said. Nothing will change in Islam. Zero. Nothing. So there's no way, again, where this leadership uh, can get in and infiltrate the mosque and the imams. and I mean, they take, can't. you can't do it. Huh? Can't. Can't. I'll tell you what. At the moment, people think that the, Mus the Muslims in, uh, in, in Israel, or so-called Palestinians, are talking about the Temple Mount, as if the Temple Mount belongs only to the Jews. The Temple Mount belongs to the Christians and the Jews. Get this through your head, ladies and gentlemen. This was holy territory for Judeo-Christianity until the Muslims took it over in the 7th century. So now, the very people who are in the Temple Mount, the so-called Palestinians, who never existed before, uh, by the way, they never existed before 1964, they say that the whole of the mountain belongs only to Islam, nothing to Christians and nothing to Jews. Let me tell you this. I can destroy this myth in less than 60 seconds. Why? They tell you that Muhammad flew from Mecca to the furthest mosque. But it doesn't say Jerusalem. The word Jerusalem does not appear anywhere in the Quran. The word Jerusalem does not appear anywhere in the Hadith. So how did they come to the conclusion that he ended up in Jerusalem? I'll tell you. 140 years after Muhammad was dead, a collector of traditions called Muhammad ibn Ishaq wrote Sirat Rasulullah, which means the biography of Muhammad. I'm talking about 140 years after Muhammad was dead. So not only were her companions dead, but the children of his companions were already dead and sent his hearing is three or third or fourth generation. Okay? And there is a story in this that Muhammad claimed he flew from Mecca to Jerusalem. The beauty here said that he, Muhammad, arrived at the temple of Jerusalem, the very temple that the Muslims today tell you didn't exist. Muhammad said he went there. Not only did he go there, but he prayed at the temple of Solomon at the head of all the previous prophets, which means Abraham, Jesus, Moses, and all the prophets written about in the Quran came to life, and Muhammad prayed ahead of them. What more can I tell you? Now, there's a problem here. In the year that Muhammad is supposed to have prayed at the Temple of Solomon was year 622 A.D. 
but there was no Temple of Solomon in, in the year of 622 AD because the temple was completely and utterly destroyed by the Romans 570 years ago, earlier. Hmm. So how did he pray on a temple that didn't exist? It's a lie. So you think it's all a fable, yeah. Yeah. But it's a lie that nobody points out in any of the media. Nobody points out in academia. Nobody points out from the clergy. Why? Because they are too stupid to know. They never studied the subject. Hmm. I studied the subject. Yeah. Uh, let's take a moment. I, I want to take a moment. I've never uh, really uh, had you tell a little bit more. I want you to tell folks, you, you, grew up, you were born in, was it Baghdad? Baghdad. Baghdad. Um, give us, just give us a couple of minutes and tell us growing up as a boy uh, what, what it was like. And, um, you know, I've never done this with you, but I'd like to have a little history if we could. I'd okay. like people to know where you came from and what, what you experienced. Can you do that? Yes, of course. When I grew up in Iraq, Iraq was a monarchy. The monarchy was installed by the British government after the war against the Ottoman Empire when the war ended in 1919. They brought part and parcel of the Hashemite kingdoms and they put the children, one of them was King Faisal the first, and made him king. But the most important thing is by putting him as king, they also introduced a Dastur, which is a constitution. Islam has no constitution except the Quran and Hadith, which is Sharia. But they gave them a constitution which is a democracy, a law and order. So, under the monarchy. Christians, Jews, Hindus, Buddhists lived comfortably with each other. There was no aggravation. There was no mass murder. There was discrimination. Of course, there's discrimination in every country on earth. Whether it's color, religion, politics, there is discrimination. That's a human nature. So I, when I grew up, it was a secular, mostly a secular. What do I mean by secular society? There was no Sharia. You want to go to the mosque, you can go to the mosque. You want to go to church, you go to the church. You want to go to synagogue, you go to synagogue. So when you were a kid, there was no Sharia law? There was no Sharia law. Even under Saddam Hussein, there was no Sharia law. Okay. There is Sharia law now, after Saddam Hussein was destroyed. There is Sharia law in Libya, after Gaddafi was destroyed. And only thanks to whom? Obama and Hillary Clinton. Anyway, to continue. So when I grew up, we had... Christian students, uh, Armenians, Jews, Chaldeans, all varieties of children. We had no problem. By the way, the only time the Jews, the Christians, and the Muslims, the children, received any gifts was during Christmas time. The only time in the year. It wasn't because they're celebrating Jesus. It was because of the atmosphere. It was a nice, happy atmosphere. And many of the teachers we had and many of the schools we had were Christian. So I grew up in mostly a secular society. And of course, we read about the Quran, but we were not allowed to read much about the Bible. So when I was sent, when I left Iraq to study in Europe, I was able to, you know, access information, access, go to the library, pick up any book I wanted. And the first thing I wanted to do is compare what the Quran was saying with what the Bible is saying. How, how old was you then? 18. Okay. So, when I was doing all this, and I could find there is no relationship. What the Quran was saying is bullcrap. 
nothing to do with what the, the, the Bible is saying. The Quran speaks about Abraham. It says he's a prophet. It doesn't say anything about Abraham, where he was born, how he grew up, whose father, who was his father, what he did with Lot, what he did with Canaan, nothing, zero. Even the word Canaan doesn't appear in the Quran. You get Moses, again, a prophet. No background, none, zero, no background. Jesus, no background. All of these so-called biblical names come up in the Quran, in different verses, in different chapters, no sequence of events, none. So I went, I started on a mission comparing and contrasting, but it took a few years before I started really doing it in, a, in an intellectual way, in, in a logical way to analyze everything, to compare and contrast. It's a 30-year process. This is not a joke. I studied Christianity, the New Testament, inside out, the Hebrew Bible completely. I studied Buddhism and Hinduism. I studied them not for conversion. I studied them to understand the mentality of human beings. Human beings must believe. That's it. Hmm. It doesn't matter what you want to believe. You can believe in God, in Allah, in Jesus, in Buddha. But they've got to believe. Yeah. And they have to believe in an afterlife. Wow. Why? Because the human mind cannot accept finality. That he lived 50, 60, 70 years, and there will be nothing left except dust. They can't accept it. Hmm. So what do they do? They believe there is an afterlife. By the way, in the Torah, there is no afterlife. Nothing is mentioned in the Torah. In the whole of the Torah, that talk about the Torah is the five books of Moses. Nothing about hell, nothing about heaven, and nothing about afterlife. Nothing, zero, doesn't exist. And nothing about Satan, by the way. The word Satan doesn't appear. As I say to our listeners, don't take my word for it. Google it and find fault if you can, yeah. which you can't. There's no way on earth you can do that. We're going to take a quick pause here. Very fascinating um, uh, background. I really appreciate you sharing that with us. No, it's and, a pleasure uh, because I wanted to understand where I come from. Well, I mentioned, Iraq. yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to ask you that a few times. Now, I know also you just got back from Israel with a trip. You spent a couple of weeks out there, I believe. We'll touch on that as well. Um, and I want to talk to you about this uh, this global center that they're talking about uh, creating as well. We're going to continue the talk just ahead here with IQ Al Razuli. We'll be right back with you in just a moment. Well, we're a new breed of talk radio and with a new breed of host and shows to entertain and inform you. It's America Out Loud Talk Radio with shows like Blue Lives Radio, OPSEC Radio Special Operations, shows that impact your health like The Misdiagnosed Life, The Dr. Stem Show, What's Inside You, Mind, Body, Energy, and our newest show, Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Pleasure. Thank you for sharing part of your day with us here at America Out Loud Talk Radio Network. You know, IQ, when you did see that itinerary, you know, and you realized he was going to do this out of the gate, uh, what was your first reaction to yourself? I'll tell you what. People don't... You know, people listen to the news media, obviously. You watch the news, obviously. 
But you should know that 90% of the time it's lies. I always say to people who hate Jews or hate Israel, go to Israel and then make a decision. Don't make a decision listening to the enemies. I went to the, the few days before I came back, I went to the Dead Sea. Amazing place. Yeah, I've been, I've been there, brother. I tell you, amazing quality uh, hotels. On the Dead Sea. I'm on the beach of the Dead Sea. Yeah. Five Muslim Arab women completely dressed in hijab and long dress. And they're floating on the water. Floating because you don't sink. Right. Fully dressed. Do you think anybody is shouting at them or insulting them? Nobody gives a damn. You had Russians. They were Muslims. They were Arabs. They were Jews. They were Christians. They were everybody. Anyway, they come out from the sea, which is 23% salt. They take a shower fully dressed again. We went to the restaurant. They came all with hijab, sitting, ordering food, unlimited amount of food, beautiful varieties, excellent quality. Again, nobody insults them. Nobody even looks at them as, as if they are something strange. This is Israel. 20% of the population is Arab Muslim. And those Arabs in Israel have infinitely, and I repeat the word, infinitely a better life than any of the Muslim countries and the Arab countries surrounding Israel. Again, don't take my word for it. Go to Haifa, go to Jaffa, go to Tel Aviv, go to any of the, what do you call it, uh, department stores or something in Israel. You find Arabs wearing the hijab, wearing the Allah logo, Every, yeah, it's no, a magical but, place, IQ. It's a magical place. And you're right. Diversity is so welcome there. Uh, it, you're so right. I remember many times at dinner. You know, I have to tell you, IQ, I remember being um, on some of the rooftops uh, at uh, happy hour. And you talk about partying, music and, you know, cocktails and people laughing and having a good time. I was at some of those evening parties, you know, on the rooftops, you know. And yeah. uh, in, in Jaffa, by the way, in, in Jaffa, right, right there, and in Tel Aviv as well, uh, fa- fabulous. And uh, it, it's just a, a, a cultural melting part of humanity. It's, it's fascinating, huh? Well, I'll tell you what. No other nation except the United States of America absorbed 70 nationalities. But America absorbed them over a period of four, 500 years. Right. Israel had to absorb... 70 nationalities within 10 to 15 years. And what did they do with them? They integrated them. Today, Israel is second only to the United States of America in productivity of new uh, inventions. Right. Oh, it's amazing. Absolutely. I got to comment on that because... Uh, the innovation and in technology coming out of Israel is 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 crazy stuff. I mean, it's just fabulous. Uh, they're on the leading edge of a lot of this uh, AI, artificial intelligence, the next step that's going to happen here. Uh, they're doing some pretty uh, amazing things out there. You know, I, I like the way you compare that to the diversity of America. Uh, one of the beautiful things, IQ, I try to talk to people about every day on this show and on our network and on many other shows that I'm on, brother, is the beautiful thing I so enjoy about this country, about America, is our diversity. You see, here's the thing, IQ. 
what most people, what you've already pointed out, most human beings that uh, you you said there's a fault and a fault line within human beings in the way they uh, treat each other and the way they um, interact with each other and uh, uh, discrimination is just part of humanity. You're saying, but you know, here's the thing: what some people see as a negative, which is the diversity. That's what I find is the richness of America. It's probably why I like Israel so much. Because, you see, I think that just is what makes life so exciting. And I think that's what God intended on this planet with all the uniqueness and richness of people. And I just find that such a unique thing that I I embrace the diversity. I love our brothers and sisters that are of different likes and of different colors and backgrounds and ethnicities. And Well, I'll tell you the truth. Most people don't mind. Look, when I look, I was there, Yom Atzma'ut. Yom Atzma'ut is the day of independence of Israel. And, of course, the whole nation is celebrating. And you see the soldiers. You have black soldiers. Black, African, but they're Jews. You have slant-eyed soldiers. They came from Indochina, Jews. Jews from India, from Iraq from Afghanistan, from Europe, from all over the world, all of them in the uniform of the IDF. The same thing when I look at the Americans. When you look at the soldiers of the Americans, all shades of races. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Of course it is. Yeah, definitely. But one thing I have to impress upon the American people, I have no choice. The only people who cannot assimilate or integrate, not because they are evil, but because their creed is evil, are Muslims. That's simple. And I would love somebody to try to prove me wrong. Well, listen, I told you before, I had that young lady I did an interview with, uh, Tamara El Bayadi. Her story is right on the homepage, right this moment of AmericaOutloud.com. She's that young Muslim lady who escaped with her life and was in fear of her life with her family and in fear of her family in danger. And she converted to Christianity here in America, lives here now in America. And she tells her story to me uh, recently. I think you listened to that show a while back, maybe. I don't know, IQ. I remember telling you about it. I think I did. Yes, I did. Yeah. But it's on the homepage right now, Tamara El Bayadi. And it's her story about, in fact, the headline of her story says, Muslim to Christianity is a death sentence. Yes. It is. By the way, you have a woman called Linda Sarsour. You heard about her? Yes. The one who is activated. She's going to have the commencement uh, yeah. at CUNY, C-U-N-Y, I think. How could anybody who is a decent American yeah. allow a Muslim woman who is a Sharia Muslim woman to give a lecture in the United States of America about diversity? Right. I don't know. But they're doing I it. They're doing it. They're doing it because... The corruption in the Academia of America is so deep, it is so vile, it is beyond your imagination. I see it every day. I read about it every day. I get emails from all over the United States of America by people who are definitely, they can't say anything truthful about anything. They shut them down by the leftists. Right, right. What you have now is the brown shirts. Hitler's brown shirts are the fascists of the left wing today of America, of the Democratic Party. 
Wow, and that's uh, that's a mouthful, my friends. Uh, if you hear IQ there, that's uh, that's uh, you know that's a mouthful. Uh, listen, I want to uh, in the time we have here, I want to talk to you about a couple of important things here. So tell me, um, the goal of President Trump is to bring peace to the Palestinian a two-state uh, agreement there with Palestinian and Israel. Is just is this a far-fetched nightmare, or can this happen? It can't happen. I'll tell you why it can't happen. I knew you were going to say that. In 1940, because we, we deal with reality. In 1947, the United Nations divided what was left of the Palestinian mandate. By the way, the Palestinian mandate was not only the west of the Jordan River. The Palestinian mandate was the west of Jordan and the whole of what we call Jordan today. So in 1923, the British government, without any authorization, cut off the eastern border of the uh, Jordan River and gave it to the Hashemite kingdom. They were not entitled to do that, but they did. In spite of all of this, in 1947-48, the United Nations divided what was left of Israel and Palestine, what we call the Palestinian mandate, between Arabs and Jews. Although it was indefensible, the Jews accepted. By the way, had the Arabs accepted the division, Israel wouldn't exist today. Wow. Um, no, 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 no exaggeration. Yeah. There is no chance in hell that Israel would have existed if they continued with the partition they had before. They had no access to the Aqaba, to the yeah. uh, Red Sea. They were indefensible, completely indefensible. But that war, which the Arabs started, instead of taking issue and making a Palestinian state and a Jewish state, they started a war of extermination. Azam Pasha, the leader of the League of Arab Nations, said, we shall make a slaughter of the Jews bigger than the Mongol slaughters. By the way, the Mongol slaughters were the immense slaughters. So he was bragging about a bigger one. So what we have here, when they, take, they talk about al-Naqba, al-Naqba means the disaster. They created the disaster. Today, they claim that the whole of the Temple Mount belongs only to Islam, not to Christians and not to Jews. So you leave, you leave no hope out there for a two-state solution then, obviously, and the Palestinian Israel, which is what Trump is trying to do. So you think he's wasting his time or should he try? No, he should try. He should try. Okay. Right. He should try. But I'll tell you what. Watch. Uh, w let any of our listeners Google uh, Gaza and the Palestinian Hamas. They teach their children at the age of three. Yeah, that's the problem. To hate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They teach them at until the day they die. They teach them to hate not only Jews, all infidels. Yeah, I've seen those videos. Infidels. I've seen those videos. Yeah, very, very bad. Very sad. In fact. Uh, you know, you may want to do a uh, future column on that where we can put, you know, an idea for you, brother, is we could uh, position. I know you have some very interesting videos of what you just explained, and we should put uh, one or two of those in a column and some words from you on, how, in, in other words, uh, how they're, uh, you know, teaching the future generations when they're, you know, three, four, five, six years old, you know? Yeah, um, I'll do that. Yeah, I'll do they don't know any different. And I think people should understand that's the roots of this. That's the origins of where this hate Absolutely. comes from. There's such a hate there, and it's an awful, awful thing. And it comes really from their very, they don't know any different because they're brainwashed 
at, you know, three, four, six, eight years old. So they don't know any different. It's all they know. They know they're grown up to hate. It's just like a pit bull. If you take a pit bull and you train it to be, you know, to bite everybody and, uh, you know, it's, that's what it's going to do. And that's what is happening to these young people, sadly. And these are your future suicide bombers. They're your future terrorists and future, future um, bad people, don't you think? Uh, then I don't have to think. It's a fact. Yeah, it's a fact. Yeah, yeah. All it's right. So this. Right. All right. So you think there's there may be. Uh, so you say he should try. Okay, fine. What about this global center for combat and extremist ideology that they created in Saudi Arabia? What did you think of that? Figment of imagination. It's a <laughs> lovely, lovely show. Look, Wahhabism is what Saudi Arabia has introduced to the West. And what is Wahhabism? ISIS. ISIS is Wahhabi. So why Look, did they do this and now they want to rid ISIS? What is what is the give and take here? <laughs> ISIS is Islam, for God's sake. Right. ISIS is the most perfect Islamic entity. But they're I saying think, they want to rid ISIS, terror that kind of terror from the world. Is Saudi because, Arabia not because, saying that? Yes, because the, the leadership wants to get rid of ISIS because ISIS now has turned against them. Right. ISIS is against every Muslim leader unless they... They follow ISIS. Exactly, exactly. So you're saying the leadership of Saudi Arabia won't win, that the others will win. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. In the end, the others will win because the others have the support of the imams. And the imams are the ones who are in the mosques. And the mosque is where every Muslim is indoctrinated. Every single Muslim in Europe is indoctrinated in the mosque. All right. So there was an attack in Manchester in England. You heard about it? Yeah, yes, my my friend. Uh, I I wanted to get you to uh, comment on that. Yes. Okay. So what did uh, the Prime Minister of England say? We shall conquer. You will not conquer Islam right, right. by ignoring the facts. They called him lone wolf. He's not lone wolf. Right. There is no such thing as a lone wolf Muslim. Right. They only exist in the mind of the leftists. Well, you know, you I can't be lone wolf because somebody supplied them information. Supply them with knowledge, supply them with materials. They are the ones, the so-called... Well, and listen, listen. What you've just seen in Manchester, uh, you're going to see, uh, I will predict right now, you're going to see more of these, not all over the world, but you will, but you're also going to see more of these in America. Definitely. Yeah, they're coming. It's a matter of when. They're coming. Not a yeah. matter of if. I've been speaking about it for some time, IQ. I'm very aware of what's happening, and I can feel it. I, I they're, they're in all 50 states in the Union here. Uh, and uh, they're a disease. It's a total disease. It's everywhere. What do you think in the final question for you, this terrorist finance and targeting center, which, of course, Saudi Arabia has been accused and accounted for of funding terrorists, uh, obviously, Hezbollah and Abbas and all this. What do you think about this terrorist finance and targeting center that they are putting together to cut funding to terrorist groups? Figment of imagination or something that can work? It won't work. You know that, and I know that. It won't work. As I said, the leaders of the Muslim world are afraid. Why? Because the Imams are taking over. The Imams are the ones who are informing, or you call it indoctrinating. In fact, they're not indoctrinating anybody. They are telling the Muslim, this is what the Quran says. This is what Muhammad did. This is his Sunnah. And you have to emulate his Sunnah. That's it. All right, so we have a tall order ahead. We have a tall order ahead. Uh, You know, there's a glimmer of hope. You felt good. Uh, but it doesn't change this entire uh, program and paradigm that we're faced with, is what you're saying. It, and, it's uh, a paradigm. 
Yeah. And you're saying almost that, uh, again, you've said before to me directly, you said, Malcolm, we have to isolate them uh, so they can live on their own in their own terms. And because you look at it as a cancer, that's what you look at it as. It a, is a cancer. A cancer, yeah. It's a yeah. virus. Yeah. It's a virulent virus. Yeah. What do we do with Ebola people? Yeah. What do we do? With well, we isolate who... them so they don't infect the others. And Absolutely. when you're infected, yeah, Absolutely. when you're infected, yeah, when you're infecting three, four, five, six, eight-year-olds and the new generation, that is a real problem. Well, now you see, friends, why we have IQ Al Razuli on the platform, and you see why we value him and his opinions here. His uh, trilogy, uh, please go get this. Lift in the veil, the true faces of Muhammad and Islam. Aren't you working on a new book as well, brother? I'm trying to, yes. <laughs> trying to. Well, you're a busy man, Sarah. You're a busy man. You're doing a lot of things. So, But go get the book, Lifting the Veil, The True Face. It's a trilogy, and there's a whole lot in there you'll want to know. Uh, Al-Razuli.com is the website. Find out more there. All his links and information are on AmericaOutloud.com. You'll find everything right there. Again, friends, thanks for joining me here on Talk. And we will see you next time where we'll get again to the Out Loud Show.